hey, you know what to do, you're grown, you know what's right. 19, 16, I, don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, your number one podcast for Auburn sports, news, predictions, whatever you want it to be. But yeah, no tar, Daniel Day, just me, at your boy the take on Twitter, Dylan Lark. Join the day by Mr. Andrew Stefaniak. Stephaniak, sorry. How you doing, sure. buddy? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, I'd be doing better if uh, a game that we just got done watching went the uh, went the other way, but I'm I'm not Lexington, Kentucky like you are, so I can't complain too much. You you're gonna have to deal with it later on when you uh when you leave your apartment tonight. So yeah, you know, as a Lexington, Kentucky native, this game either is gonna end in a really fun night for me where I get to give my buddies a hard time, or vice versa. And let's just say, what's the game been over 10 minutes? And I've gotten a lot of text messages and a lot of phone calls. So it's going to be a rough night for this guy. Yeah. And if y'all missed it at home, I envy you. But Auburn lost 86 to 34 in a 32 point loss to the Kentucky Wildcats. Auburn, it, Auburn can never win in Lexington. It's always, it's a big deal when we win. But tonight, just not their night. I mean, Kentucky shot the lights out from the three, eight of 13. And Auburn decided to shoot 21 shots from the three. And this Auburn team needs to realize, and I mean, it, it needs to realize probably a, it's too late to say that. They should have realized early on that they're not a three-point team. They should not be shooting 20-plus shots from the three-point line. I'd argue to say they can't be shooting 15-plus from the three-point line. But, yeah, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the game besides this, the three-point shooting? What frustrated me was the last – two, three minutes of the first half. It was a three, four point game. We were down three or four points. And then they go on a 7-0 run or an 8-0 run, I forget which, and put us down 11 and a half. And, you know, I thought we had a shot coming out of half because this Kentucky team, they love to blow leads. Now, not huge leads, but, you know, when they're up 11-12, they let teams back in. And, of course, they didn't let us back in. But I thought what was frustrating was, like I said, those last two minutes. If they close and go to half down five or less, I think it's a different story in the second half. I really do. And I just – I think that 11 points became too much of a mountain to climb, and that was evident within the first five, ten minutes of the second half. Yeah, and when Auburn went down by double digits, I pretty much wrote us off. Uh, it's not something you want to do with your favorite teams, but it's something you kind of grown accustomed to this season. This, this, was, this, this was not Auburn's year. And looking ahead, I mean, you got two games left on the schedule, two very tough games that you're 
going to need to win a, at least split the games at some point, just so you know for sure you're going to make it to March. But looking at the box score, I mean, Auburn got completely muscled under the basket. I mean, 41 rebounds for Kentucky, 23 for Auburn. And look at another box score stat, assist. Kentucky had 16 assists to Auburn's, what, four? Yeah. This, uh, just nothing went Auburn's way under the basket. I mean, they got Albert, but anyway, what? I, my math is failing me. But that looks about like 19? Not 19. 19, 18, 18. But I, something just – Oscar Shigway just completely manhandled Janai Broom under the basket. And this was the battle we were talking about the entire week ahead of this game was it's going to be a true test of Janai Broom's ability when he goes against a guy who's as strong and as uh, fierce a player as Oscar Shigway really is. Exactly. And, and you know, Shigway, of course, the reigning national player of the year, he's been – He's been getting his rebounds, but he's been struggling to score around the rim a little bit. And he was in his own head. But, you know, it's funny with me being a Lexington native. Um, there was some flooding in eastern Kentucky this year. And they Kentucky hosted an event where they let everybody, you know, natives come and watch them practice. And you donated. It was a fun event. And I'm, I'll never forget this. Shebway, they, um, they, they called. They, he was answering some questions from the fans. And someone asks him, Oscar, what team are you most excited about to play this year? And without missing a beat, he says, Auburn. And I'll be honest with you, while I was optimistic going into this game, the minute I heard him say that four or five months ago, I said, we're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, last year you just needed the entire Auburn student body just to not sleep the night prior outside of the arena. And you know that that set the that set the mood for that game. But this game being in Lexington is it's kryptonite for Auburn. It always has been. That's why it's such a big deal. Do twenty nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, last time Auburn won in Lexington. Yeah, yeah. So it's tough for Auburn to win there. They just can never seem to do it. And tonight might have been one of the worst ones we've seen, just because it was a thirty two point loss. You. If it was a bit of double-digit loss, like a random like 15 points, 10 points, that would have been fine. But the 32 points is a big number in basketball. That that just insurmountable at times. And once and again, once they hit 20 points, once they hit 10 points, I pretty much said that's it. Yeah. But once they hit 20, 30, I mean, I was ready to turn the game off. Yeah, agreed. Now, the last thing I'll say, if you want to be optimistic, which I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to be after what we just watched. Auburn, the year they went to the Final Four, and I am in no way comparing this team to the Final Four team. I don't know how anyone that watches this team could make that jump, of course. But we lost handsomely to UK in Rupp Arena. In March, in the beginning of March, right before we got hot and ran all the way to the Final Four. Do I think that's going to happen? No shot. But if you want to take an optimistic look at this blowout loss for the Auburn Tigers, there's the way you can take it, I think. All right, the last thing I'll ask before we move on to football and spring practice, which get a little positivity going on for the rest of the show, really, because the rest of the sports popped off this weekend. Uh, but which of these last two games, one being at Tuscaloosa and the other one being, I think, at home versus Tennessee? Yeah, it's versus Tennessee. So which of those two games do you see as the potential winner for Auburn? Because one of those games has, has to go Auburn's way for March to be right there in their hands. 
Exactly. Looking at analytics and numbers, it doesn't look like to me Auburn's making the tournament without a win in these next two games. And I'll call a spade a spade. I don't think we're winning in Tuscaloosa. I don't. Crazier things have happened. Uh, with it being a rivalry, it's going to be a tight game. Um, but I think we beat Tennessee at home to guarantee an NCAA tournament berth. All right. I, I do. I agree with that. I think Tennessee definitely is a more winnable one. Because, I mean, last time Auburn played Alabama in, Tus- in, in Auburn, last game of the, uh, the, from the season, uh, it was a tight game until the very end. And uh, just all the talent Bama has this season just kind of took over. Auburn made some questionable decisions. And you just kind of hope maybe you can split the series versus Alabama. I mean, every Auburn fan is praying to the good Lord above that you can that you can win the – like split the series. You don't want to get swept by Alabama. Uh, but just to move on to football, spring practice is starting up. Football is underway with it ending in April with a day, which I do believe is going to be 87,000 plus fans in those stands. But I have to ask you, so looking ahead to spring, uh, me and Tar talked about last episode, a lot of position battles are going on on this team. And I'm going to ask you this question, which position battle are you looking closer at? I mean, we talked about the running backs. We talked about some of the cornerbacks, linebackers, O-line, D-line. Which one? So there's two that really excite me. And reason being is I'm really excited about our shiny new toys from the transfer portal. <laughs> and at wide receiver, I'm not seeing a lot of people give Nick Marner love. And maybe it's just me, but when I see 6-6 and then the letters W-R next to that, <laughs> I get pretty stoked. And, you know, he didn't have the year many would have, would have hoped or expected last year at Cincinnati. But looking back, even his highlights last year, and then his numbers and highlights during his time at Hawaii with Auburn's new wide receiver coach, this guy can play ball. I mean, he can beat you down the field. He can beat you on a, on a, on a 50-50 ball. He can be a – you can throw him a fade from the one-yard line. He can beat you in a lot of ways. And it's not just height. A lot of people might look at this guy and go – He's 6'6". He's going to be a contested catch guy like a Mike Evans-esque receiver. He's got some speed to where he can burn you deep. And my second one, another shiny new toy I'm excited about, is Brian Batee. We – Jarquez Hunter is awesome. There's no debate to that. And he is better than Brian Batee, and he's going to be our starter. There's there's no debate to that, for for me at least. But Batee is a player, whether it's returning kickoffs or just as a running back. And a lot of people I've heard have been talking about, well, Batie can be our third down back. You know, he didn't catch a lot of passes last year at South Florida. He's more of a – he's a running back. So I think he's going to be that change of pace guy when when Hunter rips off a 13-yard run and then a seven-yard run back-to-back and he needs a drink of water. I think you're going to throw in Batie. And I think he's going he's gonna to dominate this year and really surprise some people. Yeah, talk about both those players. So Nick Bardner, we talked about it a lot. Uh, he was actually Daniel's uh, top five in- impact transfer whenever we ranked our transfer portal guys. So he he was in Daniel's top five. And you look at his size, I mean, you look at TCU and their success they had this past year. Look who TCU's number one receiver was. Mm-hmm. It was a six foot six, 205 pound wide receiver. And uh, I look ahead and I'm just like, wow, Auburn got a big target wide receiver like a Quentin Johnson. And I like it. I think he's going to be your red zone threat. I, I don't know how much I value him over like a Camden Brown or a 
Uh, I Tar is a big Coy, Coy Moore guy, but uh, and Landon King, but I think he's definitely going to be that kind of guy when it's like third and seven, and you need to go over the top. I mean, just throw a little fade route to the six foot six guy. That that helps. And we talk about the running backs a lot on the show. Uh, Jarquez Hunter is the without a doubt number one overall running back, and we look at it as uh, a battle of the RB twos. Uh, Damari's great back. Brian Batiza, fast running back and he's a great return man i think he's definitely going to be that part returner kick returner combo but i mean you look at back in auburn's success with like 2010 through uh 2013 speed backs killed a lot of teams for the auburn tigers uh ontario mccaleb comes to mind when i look at the body that he that brian Batie has i i see a lot of ontario mccalebisms in him and ontario mccaleb was a great momentum back he was just out there he would outrun you he would outgun you you could not stop on Terry McCaleb unless it was, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. But yeah, those two guys, I can see them immediately getting in those position battles, winning a few of them. I mean, I think the wide receiver room is going to end up looking like Camden Johnson on one side, Landon Johnson, the slot and Nick Marner on the outside. And that wide receiver room is all over, I think six, two. And mm-hmm. that's not something we've seen from the Auburn Tigers in a hot minute. I mean, the last big receiver I remember is Duke Williams. And I think he's only six one, but it was just, he was so physical and, to jump over anybody that was just what you want out of a receiving court. And just the height is just amazing. Cause it's going to be, I mean, Camden Brown, Landon King, uh, Nick Mardner, and then tied in to get Rivaldo Fairweather. So a lot of, a lot of fun new additions. And so your position battles to look out for the wide receiver and the running back to position, I presume with Brian Batie. So my next question for you is Auburn picked up a lot of transfer guys, but they also picked up a lot of great, high school recruits so when you look at this high school class which freshman do you think is going to be that potential day one starter or start a little bit in the first three games of the season I have I have two one's a bit of a boring answer because I have a feeling it would be many people's answer but Keldrick Falk is a beast I mean he is an athletic specimen and, of course, you know, with Ron Roberts' new, new defense, they have him listed as a jack, which is basically an edge rusher, which is what we would have seen on last year's roster. Mm-hmm. And Falk's going to be special. I, I don't even think there's any sense in sitting here and going in on that. I mean, he's going to be special. I think he's going to be a guy that not maybe not this year, but in the future double-digit sacks is, is going to be a normal stat line for him. And I think he's going to be a guy you're going to see get his name called early in the NFL draft. Um, and that, that sounds a little forward, but if you watch this kid's tape, it's, it's hard to not go that way. And then the second one for me, I, I battle between Kane Lee and Jeremiah Cobb. Both of them, I think, should be instant impact players. The only problem is both of them play positions that Auburn is pretty well suited in right now. You know, cornerback, I mean, we return every single cornerback starter. You got DJ James back, who's arguably one of the best corners in the SEC, if not the best. So Kane Lee might struggle to find playing time, but whenever he gets on the field, he's going to be special. I don't think that'll be this year. I hope he surprises me because if he surprises me, that means he's as good as we all think. (laughs) But Cobb, I think Cobb overtakes Alston as the running back three and gets more carries than you would imagine. I mean, if you think back to last year, and, and, and looking at Hugh Freeze as a coach in general, he loves to spread the ball around to his running backs. He's not going to beat a guy into the ground with 24 or five carries a game. He's going to spread it out. So there's going to be three guys getting a lot of work. 
And I think Cobb is going to be that third guy. And with the athleticism he shows in his tape, I think he's going to put up some numbers in the limited role he has and then just be a star going forward. Oh, yeah, I completely agree about Cobb's uh, athleticism. I was on the fence about Cobb because I was like, I think he's going to be redshirted, but I think he's definitely going to play in those four games you're allowed to play. But I, I completely agree with Keldrick Falk. I mean, he's going into a battle between Dylan Brooks and uh, Vanderbilt transfer Elijah McAllister. And I mean, it's surprising, but I, you think the true, fre- the true freshman is usually not ready, but Keldrick Falk is ready. So, I mean, he's my pick. I think he might be the edge rusher one right off the bat. Uh, and if he pops off an A-Day, it's going to just solidify that for me. Another guy I look at is Connor Lou, just because uh, the left guard position, we assume Jeremiah Wright's going to take it. I talked about it a little bit, but I think Avery Jones. Uh, if Jeremiah Wright was to have like a, a bad spring or just kind of fall off a little bit, I don't think he is. But Avery Jones could definitely just take off that left guard position. He played it at East Carolina. He played at North Carolina a little bit. Uh, now he's here. I think he's, we presume he's going to be the center. But if Jeremiah Wright was to fall off a little bit or just have a bad start of the season, I think Avery Jones takes over. And Connor Lou takes over that center position. He's a guy, he's one of my favorite recruits from this recruiting class because we took him for Miami. And uh, I, I look at him like he's a, this is a strong, powerful center. And I mean, the offensive line doesn't work the right way without a good center. I mean, we saw it last season when Auburn had to play four of them and the offensive line struggled even more without that true uh, strong willed center. And I think Connor Lou could also start, but Keldrick Falk is the definite answer. For both of us, believe me, uh, he's the thumbnail picture because I've already made that. So Keldrick Falk is the guy who we assume is going to be the first true freshman to start a game. But you bring up Kyan Lee. This defensive back room, stacked from head to toe, group of dogs. Because you got Dita James, Nemi Pritchett, you got Austin Osbury, J.D. Rhyme, all those guys just coming back for another year and – oh, you almost wonder if anybody could throw in the, st- the secondary. But t- to go ahead to some more hardwood hoops, just to talk about women's basketball, their season's almost coming to an end, getting ready for the SC tournament with one more game this or next weekend or next, let's see, you can tell that I'm tomorrow, actually, as this comes out today, today, so Sunday when this comes out. I think on the last game of the season versus Vanderbilt Commodores in a game that both Tar and Daniel both have unanimously agreed will be a winnable game. Which, if they win, that ends the season off with a 15 and 13 record. And the second year of uh, Johnny Harris, and it's a great start for a women's basketball team who's kind of seen as like a lesser team and is competing in, competing in these games. I mean, they lost to Georgia, I think it was 70 to 59. Yeah. And, and Georgia's a pretty decent team. I think they're looking to be in the tournament. And just watching Johnny Harris do her thing, I mean, Auburn's, Auburn's future set in women's basketball. I mean, I know you said you don't really uh, – you don't follow women's basketball as close as, like, I, I guess we do because, I mean, we're one of the top podcasts for talking about Auburn women's sports because we just – we love watching. We love supporting the women, female athletes just because, I mean, softball is one of my favorite sports to watch right now. I, I know you're a big baseball guy, but softball, to me, is a little more fun to watch. But women's softball is a great sport. It's fun to watch. You know, I, I get into it. A bit with women's softball, and and you know I love rooting on Auburn. Um, I don't cover, I don't watch it as much as I should, and I'm, I, that might be something I look into this year. But it's just a great sport, and they are so good. It's just awesome. Oh yeah, but before we get to softball, we're gonna talk about a little baseball a little bit. And I know you like you cover baseball a lot. I brought you on specifically because I know you're a baseball wizard, 
And uh, let's just see. Auburn is now clinched the series versus the USC Trojans in a series that moved to Auburn after inclement weather in Los Angeles. But Friday, Auburn won five to three. Saturday, as is coming out, Auburn just won 12 to six. So just what do you, what are you seeing from this team right now? So the first thing that excites me is, is the, is the transfer bass. You know, whenever you lose a player in any sport, you always hear about it. We're losing Sonny Deshera, one of the best one and done players in the history of Auburn athletics. You have to find a way to replace that production. And while, while this guy's not a transfer, he's a freshman, Ike Irish, my goodness. <laughs> I, I played this game my whole life through college, seen a lot of great players, played with a lot of great players. Ike Irish, I don't know what team he's going to play for, but I'm going to go ahead and pre-order his, his jersey for whatever team he's on in the pros. His swing is so fluid and through the zone. He has great timing. He has power, speed. He laid down a bunt for a base hit yesterday. He's just, I'm telling you, Ike Irish is special. And then this team, too, the pitching is there. That was my concern. You lost a lot of starters. Now, a big blow today, this, which is a definite thing people need to remember, Joseph Gonzalez was slated to start today and was not able to go. So Heberholtz ended up making the start, and he did well. You know, he's got a low 90s fastball, 91, 92. He can get it up to 93. He struggled to find the zone early in counts, but he was able to have a good performance at the end of the day and keep us in the ball game. that we were – luckily the, the bats were able to get going and we were able to, to get the win today. But another thing that excites me is our first baseman, Cooper McMurray. I have been big, big ex- – super excited for this kid for a long time. Um, his exit velo, I found a video of him hitting when he was at Kansas. His exit velo is absurd. I mean, the amount of power he has in his bat and his body, it, it's 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 amazing. And he struggled out of the gate. But today, bye-bye baseball, big insurance runs for Auburn. He sends one over the right field wall for a home run to pad the lead. And the other guy that I'm excited about is Bryson Ware. A guy who was on the team last year, he played a lot in the beginning of the year, hit a few home runs to start the year, and then he kind of got buried by a few guys. You know, the insurgence of Bobby Pierce, Mike Bellow starting to, to hit the ball well. And Bryson Ware worked his way back into the starting role at third base this year, and you don't want to be around him because you're going to catch on fire. I mean, he is scorching hot. He went deep again today. Now, his home run was also in the bottom of the eighth inning before McMurray's, and that was the breakthrough run Auburn needed. We were ahead, eight to six. We were running low on bullpen arms, and we had a man on first, two down. Bryson Ware goes bye-bye baseball over the center field wall, an absolute nuke to give us a 10-6 lead, which was enough, I think, to get the win. And then McMurray obviously added on the, the next home run to give us the 12-6 lead. Um, but I just think what I like about this team is, is they're balanced. It's not a team where you'll hear, you know, they swing the bat well, but the pitching staff's a little rough. You know, they, they pitch it well, but they can't, they can't score. This team's balanced. They play well in the field. They, they, they make the routine plays on defense. They hit the ball well. They pitch well. This team, you know, I don't want to get out here and be too forward, but this team's going to compete in the SEC and is going to really – make a run deep in the postseason. 
And uh, another big headline from these these two games, at least, is the fact it looks like, if unless something's going on, but it looks like John Armstrong went back-to-back wins in the series as the pitcher. I didn't know he got the win today. You know what was funny is yesterday he got the win. As Obviously, I pitched, you know, in my baseball career, so I appreciate this. John Armstrong pitched uh, one-third of an inning yesterday through two pitches and got the win, which, <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. I mean, to throw two pitches and get credited for the win. But, um, yeah, Armstrong looked great today. He gave up a couple walks in his last inning of work that were a little frustrating, but all in all, he looked great. And, you know, hit, hit that sidearm action with that slider, you know, he's hard to hit. People shoot <laughs> beat balls into the ground. Yeah. All right. So the series ends today as this comes out. So what are you looking to see in this last game of the series? Last Indiana series, Auburn, of course, dropped that third game. So what are you looking forward to in this the last game of the series? Auburn's already clinched it. So maybe you're getting some young arms in there. Just so who you seeing as the pitcher for one thing, because I don't know if they've listed it yet. I know Drew Nelson probably would have been the guy, but last last series he didn't get off so hot. So maybe throw him in, get someone else in for him. What do you say? So to me, the first thing I'll say is um, Drew Nelson was running down to the bullpen today, which leads me to believe he's not going to start tomorrow. Um. If I had to give an honest opinion on what's going to go down tomorrow, I would say you're not going to have a starter. You're going to have an opener. And what that means is someone's going to come in, go two, three innings, and then they're going to just piggyback off that two innings, three innings, one inning, and just kind of fight through the game. But what I'm excited about to see tomorrow, of course, the Tigers have already won the series. That's back-to-back over a Power 5 team. And if, if tomorrow the bats come alive, that's what happened last week against Indiana. They were out of pitching, and the bats weren't alive, and they, they couldn't put many runs across, and Indiana piled on the runs. If the Auburn bats are awake tomorrow and put up some runs tomorrow, and the pitching, these young guys that we're going to kind of mix and, match, mix and match and hope to get some innings from, if they show up, it's going to be exciting because, you know, there's three games in a series. You, you want to be able to sweep teams that aren't as good as you. So they need to be able to pull that together tomorrow. So hopefully – the bats staying awake and some young arms coming in and dominating tomorrow can lead to an Auburn sweep, but we'll just have to see. And if that isn't the case, that'll be a serious talking point going forward. You're not wrong. I completely agree with everything you said. I mean, I would like to see Auburn sweep a lot of, I'd like to sweep a lot of, I'd like to see Auburn sweep a lot of teams, but it'd be nice just to get it started early. I mean, the last, uh, the last time they lost to Indiana, it was just brutal. Just nothing went Auburn's way. And I mean USC. I don't think they're a bad baseball team. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not too. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, knowledgeable of other baseball teams outside of Auburn or anyone else. But I mean, it'd be a great start to the season just to see. It's already a great start of the season as it is. But it'd be a great start of the season just to get a team like USC sweep them under the rug and then move on to Florida A&M on Wednesday. But it would be nice to see. Just I. I I don't want to like bash Drew Nelson, but I just I I just need to see some confidence out of him after that last time. I mean, heck, I mean last uh, mid midweek game North Alabama, I just wanted to see him just get in for the last couple of innings just to get some pitches in, but he didn't get in. But I mean, the thing I'll add on Nelson real quick is he's young, um, and you know I, I I know baseball because I played it, so I'll give you an example from from my life. The first game I went in to pitch a varsity baseball game in my life. I thought I was going to fall over. I mean, and now, I mean, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. 
And now you talk about a dude going to, to make a, a start as a true freshman for an SEC team against a power five opponent. You know, that's a little scary. And, and Nelson's a finesse, a finesse pitcher. He's not going to blow it by you. You know, he's 86, 87, 88. So, and he didn't have his curveball. That's a big thing to remember. Now, if you don't have an off-speed pitch and you're a slower velocity guy, it's going to be a tough day. And that's what happened. If, you, if you're a lower velocity guy, you got to have all your pitches. He didn't that day. He was nervous. It's okay. You know, you, you, you live, you learn. He's going to move on. He's going to have a great Auburn career. And I think he's going to have a great year. He just got to get confidence and find that curveball, and I think he'll be fine. All right. And Auburn baseball starting off with a four and one record and looking at trying to win this last game. But there's another another diamond sport out there in Auburn, Alabama, that also has one loss in the season as your Auburn Tiger softball team, who is starting off their Plainsman invite three and oh with the game going on as we're recording this. And I'm sure it's going to be another win. So you can just go ahead and chalk up a few more wins on Auburn's record. But so far in this weekend, Auburn has scored 30 runs and has given up zero in three games. And none of the games have gone full innings. They have all been, it's been five innings, five innings, and six. This Auburn softball team is so good. It is ridiculous. And I, I, when you say you need to get into it, I'm going to, I'm going to forward, I'm going to retweet that. If you're not watching Auburn softball, I'm looking at the viewers. I'm talking to y'all, talking to everybody. You need to find a way, uh, go watch them play, watch them play on TV, watch them play on something. Cause this team is special. Everyone on this team. I mean, we've even talked to Brie else about it. Maddie Pinta, the pitcher, she can rake. Everyone on this team can rake. I mean, we saw Brie Ellis. Uh, she only had one game this this uh, invitation where she didn't have a home run. But, I mean, gets Merrimack, she hit two. And against uh, the UAB, she hit – I think she hit two. One of, some of, the, one of these games, she, she hit two. I mean, she, she's just outer-worldly how good Rielis is at hitting a baseball. This team is cracked. This team is great. And if you love softball a lot, go ahead and punch a ticket to Oklahoma City. Just go ahead and do it. And, I mean, I can – you see a world where Auburn's going to make it to Omaha, too, so to make it a round trip. Just take a pit stop at Omaha, go to Oklahoma City, whichever one comes first, and rep that orange and blue, baby. So I know you said you have it. Have you watched uh, any softball this season, Andrew? Not this year. I, I mean, I, I watch more than I give myself credit for. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll get into it, but I do know I wrote a piece actually on Brie Ellis at Auburn Daily. And she's special. I watched some of her highlights last year. She rakes, hits bombs. So, yeah, this team, and I, I saw your all's tweet on the College Hoop Twitter page. You all have some bold thoughts on this softball team, so I'm excited to see how it pans out. Yeah, and if you're unaware, Brie Ellis is either, you can either call her Brie Bombs, or you can go with the coin nickname from the College Loop ourselves, the great Bambrino, if you will, which is a College Loop uh, original nickname alongside the street sweeper for Janai Broom. But just to wrap it up with Auburn Gymnastics, they took down the Georgia Bulldogs on Friday, and Auburn's at full strength again. Suni Lee hitting a career high on vault. So, you know, if she's hitting a career high in anything, that's an Auburn dub. And they won by, I think it's 1.425 is what I'm what I'm doing with quick math. Uh, Tara would be so jealous of my math skills just because he cannot – 
add or subtract. But yeah, Auburn Gymnastics got two games left of the season with Kentucky and Penn State before the SEC Championship in Duluth, Georgia on March 18th. But this gymnastics team, talk about softball, talk about baseball. Those teams are also special. Those teams are looking good. You like to see it start early. Gymnastics, championship caliber team right there. And if you haven't seen them, if you haven't watched them on TV, they're always on it on SEC Network. They're always on ESPN+. Plus. This is a shout-out for ESPN+, Plus because, I mean, you got to watch Auburn Gymnastics. I mean, Darren Goborn, Suni Lee, Cassie Stevens, Sophia Groth, all dogs. So if you're not watching Auburn Gymnastics, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, but just great start – Ending of the season on a high note, just getting everyone back in full health before the last two meets for the SC Championship. But with that, that's going to end the show. Andrew, let everyone know where they can find you, man. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Stefaniak, and then you can check out everything I'm writing over at Auburn Daily. All right. And you can also find me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday and Wednesday. Monday with Lance Daw, Wednesday with Harrison Tarr. Catch our last two episodes. We got really into Auburn, fo- Auburn football and the quarterback situations. and Follow the College Loop everywhere where you can find it. I mean, that's uh, that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Not MySpace quite yet, but we do have a link tree, and the links are on the main page of the YouTube if you're having trouble finding us. But, yeah, follow me at your boy the tank on Twitter. Follow Harrison Tarr. Follow Daniel Locke as well. But with all that being said, this has been the College Loop Podcast. <laughs>